the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to riot. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. Damn it. My life has value. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Hope you are, too. Seems like everybody in the country is mad as hell, and they're not going to take it anymore. And uh, I open up with that clip from uh, the Movie Network, because I think it is so, so pertinent today as to what's going on, especially as we see the uh, presidential primaries heat up. We're going to talk about all that's going on, all that has gone on all week. And uh, and my opinion of it. And uh, but first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located in the city of Marina Valley. Also, offices in Corona, Temecula, Orange, Downey, Westlake Village, and coming soon, West Covina. If you uh, are interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are plenty of fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you need financing. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, day or night, toll-free, 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone because it's so intimidating, uh, go to my website, edhoffman.net. Click on Apply Now. Fill in as much information as you want me to have and put down how much information you want from me. You'll hear back promptly from either myself or one of my teammates, Matt Bradbury, Alex Rojas, Randy Sampius, or Justin Clark, and we'll uh, fill you in on uh, whatever pieces you're missing to complete your real estate financing puzzle. Whether you want to refinance or purchase or do uh, one of them reverse mortgage things, uh, if you're not completely clear on what you're what you're looking to do and you need some advice from somebody who thinks like you with a little common sense and a little uh, integrity and conscience that will steer you to what's best for you, call me, 855-640-2020. Uh, if you hear something you want repeated, 
You can go to edhoffman.net, click on Listen to the Main Event. You can uh, hear this show as well as four past shows, or you can get the podcast on iTunes. Go to iTunes, search Ed Hoffman, and you can download it on your uh, your computer, your iPad, your iPod, your iWatch, your i whatever else the i thing is. And uh, you can uh, uh, subscribe for free. It'll download once a week. You listen to it whenever whenever you want. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can hear my opinionated uh, opinions on uh, current events all week long. Uh, and you can like the show on Facebook. Search uh, the main event 590 on Facebook. And you can read my opinion columns in IE Business Daily. I'm all over the place, man. I can't believe it. Didn't, and I still have time to do mortgages sometimes. Um, and visit IEBusinessDaily.com. Click on the opinion. You'll see my full list of columns. This week, my column's about, uh, is it time to accept Donald Trump as a Republican nominee? Uh, which is something that we're going to talk about today. And in the studio with me as uh, my regular co-host, Mr. Scott McAfee, proprietor of Scott's Bikes, the number one of the top 100 bicycle companies, bicycle selling companies, because there's really not bicycle shops, because there's multiples. There's Redlands and Rialto. Uh, Don's Bikes. Ed, yo, it's always good to be back in the house. Exactly. So we can. Uh, there's there's so much going on, and I purposely. Oh my god! I purposely, with all the stuff that was going on this week, I purposely didn't didn't text you that much because I figured let's do it on the radio. Absolutely. With, when it's raw. So today you're gonna hear hear some stuff that we pre prepared, and uh, most of the rest of the stuff we did not pre prepare. We're just gonna shoot from the hip, Ed. Shoot from the hip. Yes. So uh, let's start with Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday. Uh, Donald Trump was the big winner. He won uh, uh, seven states out of eleven: uh, Massachusetts, Virginia, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Arkansas, and Vermont. Ted Cruz won uh, Texas as expected, and the next door neighbor, Oklahoma, and Alaska. Amazing. Sarah Palin endorsed Cruz for uh, for Senate a few years back, and then she endorsed. Uh, um, Trump this time in Alaska came around for for uh, Cruz and uh, Marco Rubio, uh, little Marco won Minnesota a Minnesota caucus. It's cold up there. I bet you not many people came out. <laughs> and uh, my opinion is that when you watch all three candidates' speeches, uh, actually Trump for the first time actually looked presidential this time. And let's play a little clip of his of his uh, speech on Tuesday night. We are going to be a much finer party a much we're going to be a unified party i mean to be honest with you and we are going to be a much bigger party and you can see that happening we're going to be a much bigger party our party is expanding and all you have to do is take a look at the primary states where i've won and just look where we've gone from x number to a much larger number that hasn't happened to the republican party in many many decades i would have to agree the turnouts are Tremendous. The turnouts are high, and actually the interesting thing is they're high on the Republican side and low on the Democrat side. And I think that's actually going to reflect on the general election down the road, too. That's actually the exact opposite of what happened four years and eight years ago for the presidential elections, that the Democrats got all stirred and pumped up for hope and change, and the Republicans just couldn't get They They stayed home. They stayed home. And, like a bunch of morons. And hence, I, 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 wonder, I wonder had... Many different things happened eight years ago or four years ago. What? How many people would be alive today that aren't alive because moves that Obama's made? Oh my God! Well, that's actually terrifying to even consider that. I mean, the the implications of of Obama not being the president over the last year, as opposed, in other words, having Mitt Romney or even McCain, as opposed to what we've got. I mean, God, I don't. 
You know? Yeah, even 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 McCain, McCain or Romney, neither one of them would have pulled us out of Iraq completely like they did, and therefore ISIS wouldn't have had the space to to expand and become what they've become. And how many people have gotten their heads cut off? And how many how many uh, insurgents? How many uh, lone wolf attacks? Maybe the thing in San Bernardino wouldn't have happened if ISIS hadn't had uh, had inspired that. No, I don't know. I, but, hey, look, we can't go back in time. We can only deal with what we've got right now. So <clears> it's <throat> it's interesting, if nothing else, Ed, you can definitely see this election cycle is not boring. Uh, not boring. It is not boring. It's uh, it's it's taking conventional conventional wisdom about elections is just off the track. There's there's no conventional. And, you know, you know what, who I really like who's who's got such a clear view on this is Newt Gingrich when he he's looking at it and say, hey, you know what? This is what's happening. And this is. Exactly, it's, and he he's looking at it like like he's studying it, and you know, like he he came out about the two parts of the Republican Party. You have the 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 control party and the chaos party, and the, or the creative side. The creative side doesn't mind the chaos because that spurs creativity, and the control side just wants the same kind of group to stay in control. Let, let's fix the problems, but let's keep it in control. Well, I, and, and that leads me to a point that I want to bring up. It's all about, you're talking about the establishment party, right? Exactly. I want to know, I want to know, I keep hearing about the establishment party. Rush talks about them and Hannity talks about them. I want to know who are, who is the establishment party. I want to name some names because all I, all I hear about is this group and, and I'm not saying they, they don't exist. I know they exist, but it's kind of like the Illuminati. They're this mysterious kind of dark force that I guess wants things the same that show me these Republicans that think open borders with Mexico is the way to go. And, and, and give me some phone numbers so I can actually call them and talk some sense into their heads. Well, when you think about it, we've been talking about sealing the border for years and years and years and Bush didn't do it. And right. And Bush Sr. didn't do it, and Reagan never did it, right? And neither did Clinton. Nobody's done it, right? What is what is the attraction to leaving the borders open? Well, I don't know. I mean, don't they realize how much damage this is costing? Um, now, look, I know who the establishment politicians are: the John McCain's, the Lindsey Graham's. I hate to say it, but it's looking like Rubio's kind of leaning in that direction. Uh, I know who the politicians are. But who are these? Who are these? Are they, who are they? Billionaires, multimillionaires that that just really like having open borders. They don't care about the crime. They don't care about the incarceration. They don't care about the toll it's taking on our economy. Who are these people? You know, it's uh, who are the? You know, you know. Think about it. Think about it. Even just the people that you talk to in your daily life. So many people are afraid of Trump because he's so not like what a politician would be. And say, you know, no one was scared of Barack Obama. He didn't have any experience as a politician. Well, yeah, he'd been he'd been a state senator uh, for a couple of terms, and he'd been a and he'd been a uh, uh, a national a, a uh, what do they call it? a national community senator. community organizer. He'd just been that, he'd been a sen- he'd, been, he'd been the United States Senate for half a term before he started running for president. What and no business experience whatsoever. Nobody seemed to be scared of that. He they were just inspired. Well, yeah, but well, not only that, but when we come back to the, these establishment people, don't they realize? And if you read Ann Coulter's book, which I did, powerful book, one of the key points, obviously, made in the book is that when you allow people to come into this country illegally, you let them stay, and then you eventually give them citizenship. They vote Democrat. How how self destructive are these morons, these quote establishment people, to actually want that? Yeah, they don't. They don't see that. And then when you look at uh, Ann Coulter's book, she she talks about. You know how we used to we used to 
let people come into this country that had something to offer and wanted to be an American. And now, now since the 1960s, um, it's let everybody in. If you let one person in, you got to let his whole extended family in and they bring their culture. And now it's, we can't, we can't not allow them to have their culture. Well, you came to America because you wanted to assimilate to our culture. Now we have to be not offend their culture. Well, yeah, and it seems like you know the America is just becoming the dumping ground for all the world's problems. It's not the melting pot because nobody's melting. It's just a bunch of, it's just a bunch of, it's a, just a bunch of lumps of, of, <laughs> a bunch of. Say it, Ed. Of, it's a bunch of trash just dumped <laughs> off. Hey, here's here's uh, here's uh, Syria's trash, and here's Mexico's trash, and over here is where uh, where Libya dumped off their trash. <clears throat> it's amazing, and and nobody. Nobody seems to see it because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to be called a racist. All right. Yep. So, so getting back, Trump. Uh, then Trump Tuesday night. Let's getting back on track as we uh, veer off the track. Um, getting back on track. Here's what. Uh, here's what Trump said uh, Tuesday on Hillary. We're going to make America great again, folks. We're going to make it great again. And you know, I watched Hillary's speech, and she's talking about wages have been poor, and everything's poor, and everything's doing badly. But we're going to make it. She's been there for so long. I mean, if she hasn't straightened it out by now, she's not going to straighten it out in the next four years. It's just going to become worse and worse. She wants to make America whole again. And I'm trying to figure out what is that all about? Make America great again is going to be much better than making America whole again. Yeah. Uh, Hillary said, I don't think we need to make America great again. I think uh, it's never stopped being great. Well, I think what what we define as great and what uh, and how the. And how the world sees us as being a great power. I think I think we've veered way far away from that. And apparently Hillary's been in a coma for the last uh, eight years. Is that why she has those, that weird look in her eyes? Yeah, she's she's yeah, scary. It is scary. Is, so obviously uh, you you're not. I'm not the only one who noticed it. She always looks like she's her eyes are dilated. She looks like a robot. <laughs> she never makes eye contact with people she's talking to. No, she's just kind of out in space somewhere. Um, you know, obviously, and I don't know what make America whole again even means. I mean, we're less whole, I guess, now than ever. And they've had eight years to be working on this issue. Uh, and you can point to so many things where America's not great anymore. I mean, look at our national debt is, is catastrophic. Our GDP is flat. Uh, unemployment is the real unemployment numbers are, are actually quite high. Uh, situation for minorities is worse than it's ever been. So there's a lot of things about the United States that, that's not great anymore. Um, I would agree. I would agree. And I think, uh, it's less than not great. It's tragic. We're going down the toilet. Yep. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm hoping whoever we put in the white house can do something about it. Well, yeah. And look, and Hillary Clinton is, is really a horrible candidate. The fact that Bernie Sanders is doing as well as he is against Hillary is not that Bernie Sanders is a great candidate. Bernie Sanders is a terrible candidate, but Hillary Clinton is an awful candidate, uh, with an FBI investigation hanging over her head. Uh, I think the the Republicans should be able to win. We should be able to nominate a plate of dog excrement and win the general election against somebody as weak as Hillary Clinton. That's my take. Yeah, quite frankly, I'm I'm surprised that anyone's thinking that anybody on stage at the Republican debate will, wouldn't have any would have any problem uh, going. Uh, cer- certainly, Trump. You know, I, I like when Trump goes. I haven't even started on Hillary yet. I like that part. But let's let's talk yeah. about here's here's what Hillary said Tuesday night after she won the uh, same thing seven uh, seven states, which is pretty embarrassing considering who her opponent is. That she only won seven. 
Um, but here's here's Hillary. The rhetoric we're hearing on the other side has never been lower. <laughs> Trying to divide America between us and them is wrong. I believe deeply that if we resist the forces trying to drive us apart, we can come together to make this country work for everyone, the struggling, the striving, and the successful. If we all do our part, we can restore our common faith in our common future. Yeah, the force is trying to drive us apart. I think that's the FBI. <laughs> you know, she, what is she, she sounds like trying to like it's an Obama impersonation, doesn't it? We can come and we can strive. You know how he used to like to I'm emphasize wa- those words. I'm waiting for her to start putting uh, big Roman pillars behind her when she makes the speech. <laughs> Say, where have we seen that before? Mm. Where what what uh, teleprompter uh, uh, ammunition did she use for this one? I bet you. I bet you she plagiarized some of Obama's speeches. Well, you know what she does do strategically, in case you haven't noticed, there's lots of black people in the audience behind her. It's almost like she told before the before this uh, press conference or this, this speech, okay, we want all black people right behind me, and oh yeah, there's a Muslim. Can we get the Muslim in the hijab behind me too? I don't know if you noticed that. I hate I hate to sound racist, but even Don and I noticed that. You did the, the strategic Muslim. There was there was there was a Muslim <laughs> there was a Muslim guy. There's some some Muslim people and. And mostly black people, and then there's a couple little kids, but right. none of them were white. Mm, that seemed kind of planted to me. Because as I understand it, she won like all the, all the black vote in South Carolina and the and the southern states. And somebody made a comment that she could have no white votes and still could have won. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. Either way, I mean, look, Bernie's Bernie's a horrible candidate. Uh, the fact she's even being contested at all by that guy just just shows how weak she is. Maybe black, maybe the black voters just don't like Jewish people. Uh, oh man, I, I, hate to, <laughs> I hate to blame it on the socialist part because all Democrats like socialism. Yeah. Cause it's free stuff. Exactly. Right. Uh, so the, and as, runs out. as Trump moves closer to the nomination, his rivals are taking their gloves off, um, more like, and it's taking actually, their small gloves off. Yeah. Right? And they're, they're actually starting, <laughs> they're actually starting to, to sound kind of, they're actually starting to sound kind of desperate. Now here's Marco. Here's Marco Rubio. Just five days ago. We began to unmask the true nature of the front runner so far in this race. Five days ago, we began to explain to the American people that Donald Trump is a con artist. We are going to send the message that the party of Lincoln and Reagan and the presidency of the United States will never be held by a con artist. Well, either uh, either he's not watching the polls or paying attention to the returns on the election or uh or he just is just kind of admitting that he's not really a con artist. Well, and the con artist thing comes from that Trump University where apparently people paid 15 grand to go and learn how to be a billionaire, I guess, and some of them weren't billionaires so they're suing Donald Trump. I do want to make one comment, Ed. I paid $200 to go to the Ed Hoffman Real Estate Network. I got three rental houses, a radio career, and I'm now one of the most respected political analysts in the country. Yes, you are. For I 200 want, bucks. I want, I want I want my <laughs> I, I want my uh, royalties when you're when you're, uh, you know, when you're on Fox News. Absolutely. Uh, or 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 on the uh, on the or on the Scott McAfee network. There you go. Or I need to have my need to have my uh, my prime time show as well. All right. And uh, some people on a lighter side, some people in L.A. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel did a uh, it's one of his lie witness news, and they send they send one of his people out as a reporter out on I think Hollywood Boulevard, and they ask people, "Hey, this is Super Tuesday. Who'd you vote for?" 
And we weren't voting in California. But listen to how people react. It's Super Tuesday. Who'd you vote for this morning? Uh, Hillary Clinton. How was it at the polling place? Pretty Proud crazy. You? Pretty crazy, but uh, yeah, just feeling good about it. So. Oh, yes. Um, I voted for uh, uh, Trump. This morning here in California? Yes. What was your polling place like? Who was there? Oh, yeah, it was it was at the City Hall in Norwalk, down in Norwalk, and I was just voting right there. A lot of people, you know, it was, it was kind of packed. It was, it was all right, a nice little turnout. I did. Yes, and what was the polling place like? Was it busy? No, actually, it was kind of normal. I was surprised. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. surprised you most about voting this morning? Uh, the way people were just talking about, like, some of the candidates and stuff. Who did you vote for this morning? Okay, I'm going to be honest. Do you want me to be really honest? Yeah. Donald. Oh, thank you so much. Really honest, yeah. It's amazing how people... Is that a TV camera? Hi, Mom! And it gives me faith in the future of this nation. That's our... The, <laughs> those guys have the same vote as we do. Yes, they do. And they're so so honest and truthful. Well, the good news is that they probably won't show up and vote for real anyway, so you know what I mean? Because they think... They thought they were supposed to vote this week, and we don't vote till June. Right, because what'll happen is somebody says, oh, who'd you vote for? I go, no, dude, I, when was it? You know, they're not going to be paying attention. Yeah, so uh, um, let's go on to, uh, let's go on to uh, uh, Thursday's, Thursday's escapades with uh, Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney uh, started talking... Before Mitt Romney came out and made a speech... Um, announced it the night before, and actually I'd seen some excerpts from his speech, so obviously it was preloaded, pre-written, and loaded into the teleprompter and uh, pre-released to the press as to what he was going to say. So he held this press conference at University of Utah on uh, Thursday. And uh, apparently the object, the objective of the event was just to speak out against Donald Trump. Here's a little piece of it. Now, I'm far from the first to conclude that Donald Trump lacks the temperament to be president. After all, this is an individual who mocked a disabled reporter, who attributed a reporter's questions to her menstrual cycle, who mocked a brilliant rival who happened to be a woman due to her appearance, who bragged about his marital affairs, and who laces his public speeches with vulgarity. Donald Trump says he admires Vladimir Putin. At the same time, he's called George W. Bush a liar. That is a twisted example of evil trumping good. It's amazing. We we probably should have dissected that one by one, but does it does it do you wonder why is the establishment why are the is the Republican party so freaked out right now? Hey, just won seven states and all of a sudden they're bringing out the big guns. They're bringing out Mitt Romney to scare everybody away from from Trump. What I don't understand the point of this speech, really. I mean, if nothing else, Romney gave Trump more ammunition. And I got to say, I did hear Trump's response, which was very, very good. And again, I'm Trump's not my main guy, as you know, but his response was very good. All Romney did was give Trump more exposure. And, and I look, I like Romney as a person. I, I liked him as a candidate, but we lost. And when I hear from him, I'm reminded of what was probably the worst day of my life when we lost the election. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can. I can remember being up that uh, first Tuesday in November of 2012 and standing there in amazement, watching Carl Rove say, no, 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 you can't call that state. It's not, they haven't counted these counties. We were all, there's no way Obama could win. We had a Boy Scout, nothing in his, nothing in his closet, good looking, smooth, successful businessman. The only thing that they brought up on him was 
He fired some people in his past, and uh, he got into a brawl in elementary school and beat up a kid uh, with, I don't know. And and it was a dumb 42% or whatever that remark was, which is totally legitimate. What he said, there was nothing untrue about what he said, but for some reason that was just like, okay. Look, there's a variety of, we can always speculate why Romney lost the election. Was it the hurricane? Was it the the Chris Christie hug of Obama? I knew that was coming up. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, But that one still sticks with me. Uh, was it the fact that 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 Romney didn't nail him in those last two debates? That was shameful. He had he had opportunity. The the guy dropped his hands. He's in the he's in the boxing ring. And and and, and think about it. Somebody brought this up on the news, and I and I didn't even put it together. It was like uh, eight months ago. Romney had his shirt off in a boxing ring with Evander Holyfield, and today he's being the uh, and the, you know uh, eight months later he's trying to be serious about. Protecting the country from Donald Trump. Yeah, I, d- I didn't get, and he didn't endorse anybody, and it was kind of like, what was the point of that? Exactly. Yeah, I'm just going to come out on stage and slime on the on the front runner, and uh, hey, don't forget that 14 states, 15 states, 15 states have, have voted, and he won 11 of them, I think, and uh, the people are voting. No, I think, and the more these guys attack Trump, I hate to say it, but I think it helps them. Uh, I would agree. Hey, we're going to we're going to talk more about Romney and the reaction to uh, what he did. But we're out of time for part one. So uh, we're going to break for uh, five minutes of some uh, commercials and traffic and weather. And we will be right back with part two of the main event. Don't go away. Hey, buddy, I'm not paying you to hear your thoughts on life. I'm paying you to sing. Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! Hey, welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. If you need real estate financing, I'd do it. But I don't talk about it much on the radio because I know it bores the rest of you and we want to talk about what's happening in this country. Because what happens in this country affects your real estate financing, affects your real estate values, affects everything and uh, some of you guys go, eh, I don't really care about that stuff. I just want to watch the Lakers. You know what? Get a life. You know what? Get a life. Gabe is Gabe is in the in the in the engineer booth today, and he's he's uh, getting ready to flip me off. But because uh, um, he's a sports guy. But you know what? Those of us that aren't watching sports are being productive and uh, doing something with our lives and making something out of our lives for every for for our families instead of watching somebody else do it for the, for theirs. And uh, so anyway, uh, so we were just talking, me and my co- co-pilot, uh, Scott McPhee, uh, if you're just joining us, um, we've been talking about what happened this week, and we got to the subject of Mitt Romney's little speech and uh, that he made the kind of slime on uh, slime on Donald Trump. What's interesting to me is, you know, you hear, you hear even in the debate Thursday night, um, you they played some clips of, of uh, different comments that Rubio and Cruz and Trump had made, where they kind of contradicted themselves, or they, and and I say, hey, if I was if I was a presidential candidate, you're going to get hit with questions that you weren't ready for, and you make a you make a gut gut feeling, hey, well, this is this is where I am on that, and then you then after afterwards you think about it, and maybe say, yeah, maybe that wasn't really the smartest thing, and when you're president, you don't get caught like that, you you get a chance to. To uh, I mean, even if you get caught off guard with things that happen in the world, you still get a chance to talk to your advisors and 
and run things by them. And I and I you know I've said it a million times. I I react to to emails I get, and then I draft a nice harsh retaliation, and then I stop. And sometimes I go, mm, let me reread this, or I run it by one of my teammates and say, what do you think on this? Is this too harsh? Or maybe I just don't click send and I wait till the next morning and I reread it again. And like, yeah, that's really not that's really not a good thing to put on an email because. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I get a lot of that kind of advice from my wife too. You know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't say that on the air, or you know, hey, uh, it's actually Hillary. You know, it's pronounced Beelzebub, not Beezlebub, when you call her names. You know, those sorts of things. Exactly. If you're gonna if you're gonna call if you're gonna if you're gonna slime on people, <laughs> at least slime with the at least spell it right. That's right. But you know, what's amazing to me is is the difference of all the all the slimy stuff that Romney said Thursday. Mm. Versus four years ago when when Trump actually endorsed him, here's what he, here's what he said about Trump four years ago. There, there are some things that you just can't imagine happening in your life. Uh, this is one of them. Uh, <laughs> being in uh, Donald Trump's magnificent hotel and having his endorsement is a, a delight. I'm, I'm so honored and uh, and pleased to have his endorsement. <laughs> Donald Trump has uh, shown an extraordinary ability to understand how our economy works, to create jobs for the American people. He's done it here in Nevada. He's done it across the country. He understands that our economy is facing uh, threats from abroad. He's one of the few people who stood up and said, you know what, China has been cheating. They've, uh, they've taken jobs from Americans. They haven't played fair. We have to have a president who will stand up to cheaters. We believe in free trade and free enterprise, but we don't believe in allowing people to cheat day in and day out. I don't know. It sounds to me like uh, Romney was endorsing Trump for president right there. Well, I guess it just goes to show you it depends, doesn't it? <laughs> depends on your perspective. Uh, it is rather odd. All depends on depends on which way the wind is blowing. Yes. And you know what? I also noticed uh, uh, Tuesday night after all the uh, – w- instead of having a big crowd of people behind Trump, he had Chris Christie. Yeah, and actually it was kind of odd. I mean, it was almost like you know you got Hillary and her Muslim props, and then you've got – Trump and his Christie prop. It was kind of like, Chris, I want you to just stand behind me and look up at me adoringly for like the whole time. And Chris, Chris Christie, I, I'm, I was saying, saying, Hey, this guy's, this guy's going for a, for a vice presidential yep. seat. And uh, everybody else who I've talked to says, nah, he's, he wants to be, uh, he's, he's going to be attorney general. And, and I said to myself, I said to myself, I said out loud, actually, I don't really think Chris Christie cares what's best for this country. I think he wants what's best for Chris Christie and a vice presidential position for eight years would put him in better position to run again in, uh, 2024 or 2020. If, if Trump only does one like Ross Perot, I'm only gonna do four years, not gonna take any pay. And then I'm gonna hand it over to somebody else. I'm going to fix it. Well, yeah, and certainly the vice presidential candidate should be someone that obviously hopefully is a transition after eight years of hopefully Republican presidency and going going forward. Although, although I will say this, uh, there is one person, again, this is why I paid the big bucks as a political analyst. uh, There is one person that if Trump picks this person as a vice presidential candidate, he is guaranteed a win. And it's absolutely undisputable. And the only reason I even bring this person up is because Trump himself brought this person up when he was first asked the question, when he was first running, who would you pick for your vice presidential candidate? He threw this name out and everybody thought it was kind of a joke, but I I thought about it and I thought, you know what? If he actually picked this person, he would win in a landslide. Um, You'll never guess. Rudy Giuliani. No, no, this would guarantee a landslide. I'm not saying I want this person as a vice president either, but I am saying it's a guaranteed win. Obama. No. Oprah Winfrey. 
He mentioned Oprah Winfrey when they first asked who would be your, your vice presidential candidate. He says, I don't know, maybe Oprah. We're good friends. And I know it sounds ridiculous, again, and I wouldn't want her, but think about it. Think about it. With her on the ticket, they would be absolutely unbeatable. They would blow Hillary away. And you also have to factor in that there's no, there's no good blood between the Clintons and Oprah. She doesn't even like the Obamas anymore. She was dissed by the Obamas, right? Yep. So, look, uh, I think Oprah... Uh, has the clout it, they would they would win in a landslide i'm just saying uh, you know this this election cycle has been so nuts don't rule it out that's all i'm saying jeez <laughs> that hit that hit me from from that was that was i knew you would see that one that, coming i was thinking i was thinking a lot i was had a you know uh first of first of all my i would say carly fiorina because that brings a female and she's smart she's smart and was my pick for the mm-hmm. for the main thing um, ben Carson would be great. Um, well, who's the equivalent female counterpart to Trump as far as a celebrity, a billionaire? It's Oprah Winfrey. And, but I had not thought about Oprah because I know she's a smart business lady. Yep. But she is kind of eh, – she's done some things that I thought were a little racially driven. Oh, of course. She's a race baiter in my opinion. And, again, would I want to know, would they win, though, is the question, Ed. Would they win? You know what? <sighs> I got some I got some I got some reactions to my the why you should just hey if Trump wins the nomination whether you like him or not you need to vote for him. Yes. And I got and I got a few tweets from people that uh I know listen to the show um and uh and are fans I would say people that think like I do that said no way he's too too divisive and if uh, he and he's nominated I'm sitting home. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. You'd rather have that felon lying B, I'm trying to trying to trying to stop myself from saying something I can't say on the radio, um, Hillary, because that's what we'll do is if you if everybody sits home, that's our alternative. Yes, we know for sure we're doomed if she gets to be president or Bernie gets to be president. Right, and, and you know, if we're on this topic, I mean, the one thing that does concern me about Trump is the electability issue, and it's not that. I mean, I know his poll numbers are high, whatnot, but you know, the scary thing about the about Trump is that he shows, according to a recent CNN poll that he would lose to Hillary Clinton by eight points. And I do know from firsthand that the dislikability factor with Trump is also high. And I know from my own personal experience, my wife hates Trump. My sister-in-laws, they all hate Trump. My son, 20-year-old millennial, super smart conservative kid, he's like, Dad, I couldn't vote for Trump. I'm like, son, why not? Well, he's unhinged, and he goes on. And he's got legitimate points, but my point to my son is, son, you can't not vote for the candidate and I took it a step further and said, your dislike of Donald Trump was the same as my dislike for Jeb Bush. However, if Bush was the nominee, I would back him 110% because I know what the alternative is. At least with Trump, he's kind of an unknown. I mean, we yeah, really don't I, know. And I, and I think, and, I've, and I have said this from the beginning, I don't know what kind of president he'll be, but he might just be that piece of inspiration that we need in this country because, you know, people didn't like Ronald Reagan going into the presidency. He was not an establishment ca- uh, candidate, and even when he was in office, people were calling him a senile old warmonger, and he was inspirational. He got in there, and he, he communicated with people, and then they called him the great communicator. He, he, brought, he brought both parties together. We accomplished a lot of stuff. They stopped the Cold War. They broke the Soviet Union they, uh, by uh, winning the arms race and driving uh, the oil prices down, and, uh, and he... I look. I think of. I think of specifically watching him make his speech 
after the Challenger exploded at the uh, memorial to and talking to to the parents of the people that died, and I just go, what kind of strength do you draw from when you saw the when you watched the parents watch you know watching the Challenger explode, going, what just happened? And then just to, you know the the tragedy how that how that went and how how dignified and how presidential and how inspirational uh Ronald Reagan was during during those times and all the different speeches he made he was he was i don't think he was the smartest guy in there he just had he had knew how things had to be done and had some had some morals and he was inspirational to people absolutely that and might be what trump is i don't know we we don't know is the answer to the question i think even trump supporters probably don't know we do know that hillary clinton will be an absolute unmitigated disaster uh trump we don't know he could be a disaster but he could be fantastic we don't know but i'll go with the unknown over the known any day of the week uh i would agree so let's get on to the yep. debate so uh thursday night was republican debate uh, first the the first Republican debate since the Super Tuesday victory, and I think we all knew it was going to be a circus because it's at that point where the next two weeks are do or die for most of the other candidates. I think um, uh, Trump returned to the Fox News debate stage. <coughs> excuse me, since his much publicized feud with Megyn Kelly in January, it wasn't it sweet when he said, "Hi, Megan, you're looking good," and uh. You're, you're looking nice tonight. Uh, naturally, the first question was to Trump and uh, it was to have him give a response on Mitt Romney. And here's Trump. Well, look, he was a failed candidate. He should have beaten uh, President Obama very easy. He failed miserably. And it was an embarrassment to everybody, including the Republican Party. He went away. It looked like he went away on a vacation the last month. So I don't take that. And I guess, obviously, he wants to be relevant. He wants to be back in the game. I think his, I think his wife told him, stop. Going on unhinged, it's time to start acting presidential because he handled it so calmly. And, of course, there's a lot more to that that we didn't play. But um, I thought he handled it much calmer than we expected. Well, yeah, and that's been one of the biggest complaints about Trump is a lot of the juvenile comments. And those certainly escalated this week, not just with Trump, but with Rubio as well. It's almost like it's almost mildly embarrassing. And I know, Ed, you and I love to be kind of. I don't know, juvenile at points and kind of uh, but inappropriate. We're, but we're not running for president. We're not running for president, man. And, and everybody who hears us on the radio comes and tells us, we love what you say. <laughs> we're that, right there. Keep doing it. And that just reinforces our bad behavior. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, so uh, mis misbehave on. Then, uh, then uh, Trump was asked to address the David Duke controversy. And for those of you that don't remember, David Duke – um, was a Democrat turned Republican. He was in the state, uh, the state legislator of uh, of Louisiana. He was a KKK guy. Um, if for those of you that, that for you youngsters that are listening, that's the Ku Klux Klan. It was a very uh, anti-black. Uh, it was anti-Jew too, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, very, uh, and they were violent. Uh, yes. race, racial, uh, racial group wore the wore the uh, the the bed sheets on top of them and uh, very offensive group david duke was a supporter of them and he and I, and I, he must not have been openly supportive when he ran for legislator because he was elected one term and then he ran for congress he ran for senate ran for governor of louisiana didn't, and apparently he said that he support that he he was supportive he didn't endorse he said that he liked donald trump and uh and apparently there was a a big to do how come you didn't disavow him how come you know, and all of a sudden they they're blaming it on Trump because this guy said he liked him. He said, you know, Trump didn't say I like David Duke. David Duke said he liked Trump. 
Uh, here's the here's Trump's comment. I totally disavow the Ku Klux Klan. I totally disavow David Duke. I've been doing it now for two weeks. This is you're probably about the 18th person that's asked me the question. It was very clear. That question was also talked about in the form of groups. Groups. I want to know which groups are you talking about? You have to tell me which groups. Ultimately, he got to the Ku Klux Klan, which obviously I'm going to disavow. And by the way, if you look on my Twitter account, almost immediately after the program, they were disavowed again. You know, it's amazing. When I do something on Twitter, everybody picks it up, goes all over the place. But when I did this one, nobody ever picks it up. Take a look at my Twitter account. You know what? For those of you that, that are on Twitter and those that aren't on Twitter, you know, it's, sometimes I'm on Twitter. Sometimes I tweet during the, during the debates and I'm tweeting every 30 seconds or, uh, or, you know, during something that's going on. And sometimes I'm just too busy and I don't. And it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing to me that, people on Facebook and people on Twitter and people on these things. Where do you find time to do this stuff all day? It's a colossal waste of time in many cases. But you know what? Coming back to this David Duke KK thing, shame on Fox News for asking such a stupid question. The KKK, I can't think of a more irrelevant group than the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, what do they got, like 12 members? Maybe they're meeting some guy's garage in Mississippi somewhere. They are completely irrelevant David Duke is completely irrelevant. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Uh, you know, he, he ran for governor, Senate, Congress, and failed. Why is his opinion relevant at all other than to try and make Trump look like some racist Ku Klux Klan sympathizer? It's an absolute joke. It's, 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 a, democratic, it's a democratic way. It's, if all else fails, pull the race pull card. Pull the race card. Exactly. And, and, of course, there was a uh, – apparently there was a little scuffle – Last weekend in Anaheim, uh, last weekend or sometime this week uh, in Anaheim with some, I didn't see any white hoods, so I don't know what the Ku Klux Klan, I guess they were wearing uniforms, it said. <laughs> there was a little, there was a little brawl in Anaheim somewhere this weekend. Um, I don't think anybody knew anything about it ex- until the, until everybody brought up the David Duke thing. All we do is just stir things and make, stir things up and make it worse. Then uh, Marco Rubio uh, jumped into the game uh, Thursday night with uh, launching personal attacks. Um, just in the past two weeks, we, he was asked why he decided to stoop to Trump's level. And here, here's Rubio. Let me say something. This campaign for the last year, Donald Trump has basically mocked everybody with personal attacks. He's done so to people that are sitting on the stage today. He's done so about people that are disabled. He's done it about every other candidate in this race. So if there's anyone who's ever deserved to be attacked that way, it's been Donald Trump for the way he's treated people in the last campaign. And then, uh, then came the, the moment everyone was talking about the next day, Rubio's jokes about Trump's small hands. I have to say this. I have to say this. He hit my hands. Nobody has ever hit my hands. I've never heard of this one. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? <laughs> He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee The candidates are getting small. It is really kind of weak, and it is kind of embarrassing. And when I look at these things, I'm thinking, yes, I can be immature. I pride myself on being a little immature. But these guys are running for president for the most important job in the world. It's just kind of silly. I was thinking one of these times we should do a live show and have some Patron and uh, see how juvenile we can get. And, you know, have a few cocktails like during uh, maybe during the general election on uh, November 8th. We'll have a maybe we, uh, we can get uh, we can get them the, the radio station to let us do a live event. 
and have cocktails. Oh, that'd be fun. We could be. We could really. <laughs> they'll have to. They'll have to get the ten second delay. But yeah, they um, will. But I think that would be fun and see how juvenile we can get. Here's the. Here's the. Here's the the most juvenile part where uh, Chris Wallace asked Rubio a question. I've been wanting someone to ask him for months. You have taken to calling Mr. Trump a con artist who portrays himself as a hero to working people while he's really been, in your words, sticking it to the American workers for 40 years. But he has built a big company that employs thousands of people. Question, how many jobs have you created? Well, first of all, government does First of all, Chris... My point is exactly right. Uh, yeah, well, uh, that wasn't the that wasn't the crazy one I, that I thought it, that I thought it was, but it was the one with the hey, you know, how many jobs have you created? Well, uh, um, uh, 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 well, first of all, government, uh, 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 we should have bought a uh, Hillary and Clinton in there. Don't let people tell you that corporations create jobs. Exactly, and and look, I don't say that it's a prerequisite to be president that you have to be to have to work in the private sector to create jobs. As, as a job creator myself and you too, Ed, certainly at least I think it gives you some real world experience that, you know, you got there's there's a lot to, to running a business. There's a lot to, you know, keeping a balanced budget. There's a lot to not overspending things that it seems like people in government just don't get. You know, if you've worked in the government all your life, you just don't get that experience. And that's and that's really that's really the the point that I make when I say, you know what? Trump has done tremendous in business. And even though, as we're going to talk about on our next thing, you know, people are, hey, you inherited your wealth. Oh, BS. You know, and, and for his dad, apparently had lent, lent him a million dollars or maybe gave him a million dollars to start in commercial real estate in Manhattan. That's like me giving one of my kids 50 grand and say, go do, go do what you can with it. Well, the problem is that most most people would have just blown the million, but he took a million dollars and did make it into ten billion. A billion is like a thousand millions, right? It's just like yeah. So that's nine. You know, that's a lot. I mean, and that's a hell of a return on investment. <laughs> exactly, and that's and that's some especially through all the all the ups and downs of the real estate market that we've been through. You know, Trump has has bought all kinds. You know, he was part owner of the Empire State Building at one time. Which apparently people in New York used to call the empty state building because it was—it's not really a very pretty building on the inside, mm. but I guess it—you know—it's always been a world famous, a world famous kind of a place. And uh, as for Rubio's claims that Trump inherited two two hundred million, uh, Trump said his siblings called him last night to ask him about. It. Oh yeah, if Dad gave you two hundred million. Where's mine? Here's a uh, here's Trump's uh, comments. Well, from my sister and brother tonight, and they said we had no idea Dad gave you two hundred million dollars. Believe me, I started off with one million dollars. I built a company that's worth more than ten billion dollars, and I say it not in a bragging way, but that's the kind of thinking we need. Very low debt, tremendous cash flow. My financials are all they're all in there with the federal elections. You've seen them. Everybody said I say it only because that's the kind of thinking this country needs with 19 trillion dollars in debt believe i have to agree yep it's just what we need someone that can make smart decisions like that correct and i don't think trump's necessarily the only one that can do that either that's of course my opinion but go ahead yeah and he's absolutely not the only one that could do it right romney could have done it there's a lot of people that could have done it and uh carly fiorina certainly could do it ted cruz can do it uh maybe we don't know Mm -hmm. what's ted cruz done besides be a lawyer ah he's done a lot Argued and won Supreme Court cases, uh, stood up uh, against the immigration stuff, against Obamacare. Still not business. Okay, that's true. That's true. Not a lot of private sector experience. That's true. 
And then the then here's here's the here's the crazy part with the attacks between Rubio and Trump. I have a policy question for you, yes. sir. Let's see if he answers it. You're... I will. Don't worry about it, Mark. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, little Marco. I will. All right, well, let's hear big, big Don. Don't worry about it, little. Right, don't worry about it, little Marco. Gentlemen, let's hear it, gentlemen. You ought to, you ought to chill about it. Gentlemen, you got to, you got to do Chris. better than those. Can you say junior high school? Oh, I don't even know if it's that. I think it's more elementary. I think I, I think I heard someone say, "I'll meet you behind the Ball City backstop after school." <laughs> that was bad. I know. Then, uh, then it was Canadian born. I know you love me. Stop hearing me it. Say, Canadian-born Ted Cruz's turn to take a swing at Trump. Donald Trump supported Jimmy Carter over Ronald Reagan. Donald Trump supported John Kerry over George W. Bush. If you don't like Obamacare, Donald Trump funded Harry Reid and Nancy Pelosi taking over Congress to pass Obamacare on immigration. If you don't like amnesty, if you don't like the Gang of Eight, Donald Trump funded five of the eight members of the Gang of Eight, $50,000. And let's talk about this election. The choice Republican primary voters are making is who is best prepared to stand up to Hillary Clinton and beat Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump has written checks to Hillary Clinton not once, not twice, not three times, ten times. And four of those checks were not to her Senate campaign. It wasn't that she was the New York senator and it was a cost of doing business. It was to her presidential campaign. Donald Trump in 2008 wrote four checks to elect Hillary Clinton as president. Okay. So I'd like to ask Donald, why did you write checks to Hillary Clinton to be president in 2008? It wasn't for business. And how can you stand on a debate stage now with her and say you don't think she should be? Actually, it was you know, as we wind up our last minute, I will just add this. You know, when you're in business and you make political contributions, it's not always in, in support of that of that politician. Sometimes it's just in support of your business. Understood. Uh, but those are all very, very valid points that Ted Cruz brings up and he's not talking about uh, Donald's hands. So, you know, no, I think they're, I think they're valid, but I think yep. there's, I think if I was Donald Trump, I say, Hey, you know what I'm building? I built the, the Trump, the Trump hotel in, in Las Vegas. I need to make sure that I have some political, some political, uh, um, favors some political something with mm. Harry Reid. I got I don't know what he built in San Francisco where where uh, Pelosi might uh, have some impact or but it certainly as long as Hillary was still in the state senate uh, that had to come in handy in New York. But there you go. I think we're just about We're just about out of time. Scott, thanks for joining me again My for My pleasure, Ed. For if this you need week. a bicycle, come by and see us at Don's Bikes in Rialto or Redlands. I need a bicycle. I'll hook you up. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman. Be back again with you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.